All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Beebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 13 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by Betway. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway. Please play responsibly. Ontario only. Must be 19 years of age or older. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Beebs Bondi. The fellas are looking good in their Arizona coat. Whoa, Coyote Lids. D, how's it going, bud? Doing good, man. Doing good. Happy to be here. Rocking the new lid. AZ Strong uh, was actually deciding between the Yotes and the Ducks hat tonight, and they're playing each other, and uh, you know I got to side with the Yotes. So. Yeah, Brock, one of these things is not like the other, and that's you tonight, bud. Sorry, um, you're going to have to go hit the hat store for the, the local hat store for a Yotes hat. Um, mine's actually a Phoenix bucket, though. I don't know, because um, it's... It's a throwback. So, uh, but either way, we are a full Yotes podcast, and uh, and I have to be because after popping off about Colorado last week, they have not scored a goal since we last did an episode. So, let's go Yotes, baby! Yeah, um, I I think the Avalanche fate might change this evening against the Blues. Um, nope. Yeah, getting shut out in back to back games, all of a sudden they reunite McKinnon and Branton and on the top line, they're just looking, to, they're looking to do some damage tonight. So that'll lot, be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I have an Arizona coyotes too, which is so bizarre. Cause like it's Arizona, but I, I couldn't find it. I just dig in. As soon as I saw you guys wear those hats, the best I could come up with was the Winnipeg jets. So here we are. Yeah. I actually almost went and bought a new Arizona coyotes hat today. They, they released a new line. I was like, Oh, it's a gorgeous hat. I'm going to get this Arizona coyotes hat. And because uh, it doesn't like look like a coyote's hat, it's just a cool like line. And uh, went to buy it with shipping seventy seven dollars. I'm like, I don't Ouch. think I need a seventy seven dollar hat. So yeah, pass. Um, we'll stick with the Winnipeg Jets for now. And uh, a toque for Winnipeg makes a lot more sense than Arizona anyway. So uh, let's get into it. Enough about us. Let's talk fantasy hockey today. We're gonna go through a bunch of players who have had slow starts to the season. Talk about our level of concern for each of them. Basically, we're going to go through and say, hey, are, are we dropping these guys? Are we keeping these guys on our roster if we own them? Or are we interested in buying low or picking them up if they've hit the waiver wire? So we're going to go through a large list of players, give you our level of concern quickly on each one of them, and then move on. 
Uh, so we'll start, we'll do it in terms of owned percentage, just so we can cover the more uh, highly owned players first and we'll work our way down the list. And the first name is kind of hilarious because on the morning report on Monday, I, I sent out a note to our listeners saying, if you're paying attention, like we are, you need to go out and try to buy low on all of the Dallas Stars. Because as of Monday, they had only played six games this season. That's two games per week, which was, makes no sense. So they have not played. And as a result, Jason Robertson, Joe Pavelski, Rupe Hintz, Miro Heisen, their numbers actually aren't terrible. They just haven't played enough games in comparison to the rest of the league. So it was funny. As I was, I asked our listeners to provide uh, the players that they were the most concerned about. So all of these names uh, come from our listeners. And I had to cut a few that I didn't think made a lot of sense. And those were Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski, Jason Robertson for that ex- exact reason. So hopefully you started trying to buy low on these guys on Monday. If you haven't, it's still, uh, I don't think you haven't run out of time yet. Cause as I said, our listeners are, are nervous about kind of what's going on, but they just really haven't played enough games. Their numbers are fine. So the first name on the list is still the one I kept was Miro Heiskanen, who's 98% owned. He's played seven games. As I mentioned, they have not played very much averaging over 25 minutes a night, one goal, three assists, four points overall. Uh, just 1.9 shots on goal so far. The shooting percentage, 7.7, pretty normal. On a shooting percentage, 10%. So, like I said, I'm not worried about Miro Heiskanen at all. It's just really early in the season for the Dallas Stars. I'm assuming you guys are in the same boat, Beeps. Yeah, this is a team where um, when, everything kind of flows through Miro Heiskanen. We saw, it lot, or we saw it last year. He had 73 points in 79 games. So, when start stuff starts going again, and it's going to, this is a phenomenal on-paper roster, one that many thought was a cup contender, and I personally do as well. Um, and when it starts going, we'll be there. Also, you kind of mentioned it, four points in seven games really isn't that bad. The one kind of alarming thing, the 13 shots on goal, but we're going to see that go up. He had 206 last year, so we know that there's more from Miro. When those shots come, you're going to get more production. I think us just seeing this question on Twitter shows that you can get him at a lower value than he's probably worth right now. So I think uh, I think you should definitely, like you said, take a stab towards him. We're looking at a guy who should get you double-digit goals and should be near the 50 to 55 range assist mark, maybe even more if things get hot. But when things get hot, you know it's going to be through Miro in Dallas. It's not like someone else has taken those points. So, I uh, I mean, it's a pretty easy one. There's a reason he's 98% owned. And uh, even though the shooting percentage is where it's at, the on-ice shooting percentage is at least something that we can, you know, it, it, it's it, when that gets higher, everything else should help. So, I think uh, I think taking a stab at Miro is a great choice right now, and he's probably one of the better buy-low guys and probably one of the only times you can take a probably get him at this value so you know i think one thing worth mentioning about miro heisen's shot volume is the shots on goal are lacking a little bit uh but he's only got 36 percent of his shot attempts on net over the last three years he's got about 47 percent of his shots on that so just missing the net a little bit more than normal i think that's okay in a small yeah. sample size like this currently on pace for 421 uh shot attempts had 441 a season ago so uh, I don't think yeah. the shot volume is is anything too alarming here seven games in. D, what do you think about Miro? Uh, yeah, I think, like, to your point for the Stars as a whole in general, the power play just has not gotten off the ground. They're 9.5% on the season. It's the third uh, worst rate, and they finished with the fifth best rate at 25% last season with obviously uh, most of the same, if not the exact same personnel out there. So you can expect that to correct itself sooner than later. Uh, and then on top of that, they're just not getting a lot of opportunities. They're third in the NHL in power play time per game. Uh, on top of the fact that, as Brock said, they've only played six games. So all those things should normalize as the season plays out. Uh, and it's actually, you know, rather impressive with how good these guys have been, given the limited games that they've played and the limited uh, amount of power play time that they've seen and the lack of success they've had on it, frankly. But again, all things that we expect to normalize and regress back to the mean uh, sooner than later. So I agree. Heist get in, but uh, all the stars on top of that as well uh, all make for great by low t- uh, candidates right now. I think one thing worth mentioning about that power play is Oddly enough, they are actually last in the NHL in expected goals uh, per 60 on the power play. They just aren't actually generating nearly as much. Again, it's small sample size. I do expect it to correct itself because last year they were fifth in that category. So it was definitely a power play that was generating lots of chances just so far this year. Not a whole lot going. And as you mentioned, there's not getting a lot of power play time. So it's going to take some time for that to click. Obviously, Rupe Hintz missed a lot of the preseason too. So kind of getting off to a slow start there as well. It's going to take some time for them to get things kind of get their mojo back. Yeah, with only seven games too, like all it takes is one game of no power plays and these numbers just get straight. So we're looking at an even smaller sample size than most. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. 
Next on the list is Alex Tuck of the Buffalo Sabres. He's 93% owned. Uh, nine games so far this season. He's averaging uh, about 18 and a quarter minutes per game. One goal, four assists, five points in nine games. Uh, just over a half a point per game. The shot volume, just 2.1 shots per game, 19 shots overall. Uh, but he is shooting just 5.3% with an 8.9 on a shooting percentage. I think overall here, um, this has just kind of been an issue with the Sabres in general. Um, outside of like Jeff Skinner and Casey Middlestad, um, it's been a bit of a slow start for this team as a whole. You can see just the way that they're changing their line seemingly every game. They're searching for it a little bit, trying to find that offense, find a spark a little bit, and um, got off to a nice start so far tonight against the Flyers. But this is just a team in general that's kind of searching for it. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the ADP on Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner coming into the season as it was. So the slow start, you know, is... I'm glad I didn't draft him, uh, but I'm not like overly concerned. The shot volume is a little bit of an issue, but I, I do think that this is just a team that's probably going to get it going. I think the one red flag might be the fact that he's averaging 18.08 time on ice, where last year he was 19.09. D, uh, Alex Tuck, what do you think about him here? Yeah, I agree. The most concerning thing is just the amount of blind shuffling they're doing. And, you know, part of the reason why we weren't really in on Skinner or Tuck coming into the season is so much of their production and their value last year was tied to the fact that they were pretty much glued to the hip of a red hot Tage Thompson at 5v5 for the entirety of the season. Uh, and, you know, you always want to believe that when you see that over, you know, essentially a full 82 games that the coach is going to be um, just as faithful and ha give just as much rope to that same group of players the following season. But obviously that hasn't been the case. Uh, I, I don't, honestly don't know what they're waiting for to get back to that combination. They're still struggling to score. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of time before they get them back up there. But that's the main concern is that they just seem to be a lot less glued into um, rolling with uh, Thompson, Tuck, and Skinner at 5v5 this season. And he really does need that. Um, Middlestad eating up more ice, just it's not great overall. It just means that there's more mouths to feed. If anything, it's going to hurt you know the ice time of all these guys. So uh, the fact that they're trying to roll three lines deep. So hopefully they just go for a more concentrated approach sooner than later uh, and we get uh, some more fantasy from the option. So Tuck really not, I do think it'll get better, but he's still not someone that I'm going to look to move for at this time, just for those same concerns that we had coming into the season. Yeah, I'm not yeah. dropping him. I'm not buying low on him either, though, at this point. Uh, the one thing, just before we get to you, Beeps, uh, Don Granado did kind of mention, too, that we don't have a top, just a top line. We have two top lines with Casey Middlestad and Tage Thompson. So he actually he obviously has a lot of faith in Middlestad. Uh, Middlestad leads this team, I believe, in, in 5v5 ice time. He's playing a lot more than, than Tage Thompson at 5v5. So definitely a line he's going to look to continue to use. But, uh, Beeps, what do you think about Tuck? No, I'm in the same boat here, fellas. I, I I don't really want much stock in him at the moment. You know, I'll let other people deal with it, but Buffalo's got depth, and that's just a it's just a big changer when it comes to fantasy um, repercussions. And and we kind of could see this coming. They've just you know they, this is what happens with young teams. Um, and I think, like you guys said, you know, the 19 shots on goal in nine games is also a little concerning. If he keeps that up, that keeps him under 200. If he's not getting the ice that he had last year, if he's not getting the shots, the production obviously isn't going to be there. So um, I, I kind of stay away from Tuck at this time. I honestly kind of stay away from Buffalo as a whole. It's a little bit scary over there, um, whether it's the net or outside of the net. So um, Tage Thompson too, he's human. Who would have thought? He's, um, but at the, at the same time, he's going to get hot. And uh, But no, there's too many males in Buffalo. I don't want to repeat it, but I am because that's just the main fact here. And uh, yeah, we, we'll stay away from Tuck on my end. Yeah, similar to Heiskanen, missing the net a little bit more than normal, so the shot volume should improve a little bit. But the shot attempts are, are a little bit down just based on kind of the lack of ice time. So shot volume is pretty similar to last year. It's just a, a little bit of a lack of ice time for him. Moving on, we got Nico Heischer, who, speaking of lack of ice time, uh, just averaging under 18 minutes a night, which is pretty crazy when you factor in that he was an absolute minute eater for this team a season ago, 19-17. And 1921 each of the last two seasons. He's just over 17 on the season. He's actually averaging under 17, but that's because he got hurt in their last game. Prior to that, uh, was a shade over 17 minutes a night. So two goals, no assists for Nico. Uh, just 0.29 points per game there. One power play point, two shots on goal per game. The shooting percentage is, is pretty normal, 14.3 on a shooting percentage, also 14.3. So uh, I'm definitely concerned about Nico Heischer. This has now become Jack Hughes's team and Jack Hughes's team only. And he's playing absolutely dynamite hockey. Tyler Toffoli has fit in seamlessly. Doesn't seem to matter who else is on that wing, whether it's Timo Meyer, Jesper Bratt, they're going to be productive. And then the second line, man, I like 
it just leaves them with one winger and Andre Palat right now. And it hasn't been good. Um, I do still think that, you know, you can, you could probably get Nico for so cheap right now. It might be worth it, but I am definitely a little bit concerned here with just how much uh, ice Jack uses commanding peeps. What do you think? One thing I will say in his defense, Nico's a very, very usual slow starter. So to see this, it's uh, it's kind of something that we've been used to over the years. But you said it, the ice time is so alarming there. Um, obviously, things have been kind of swayed by him leaving early, like you mentioned, after just 11-11 the other night. And when you have only seven games, that could really change how your ice time looks on average. But at the same time, when you're not playing with those top guns, it's not uh, it's it, it's not it's not great, especially if everything's not rolling as expected. With that said, I'm very very high on Heischer still. I think maybe a little bit higher than you, Brock. But you also said you would trade for him, um, so that means you want him on your team, or you might want him on your team. And I totally agree. I think you have to attack this now. He's not traveling with the team on their four game road trip that's coming up. Um, that is news as of about seven hours ago. So you, if you can get someone who's like, oh crap, I'm basically about to drop this guy as the IR spots are adding up, then I think you can absolutely snake him off the bottom of someone's roster. And it's someone who, you know, had 80, a 31 and 49 season last year. That's a point per game with 39 goals. He's only 24 years old. It's still a number one overall pick. And I think realistically in New Jersey, yes, it's the Jack Hughes show, but they want, everyone just rolling there and they want the two lines rolling. They, they, so with that happening, I think it's just going to, they're just going to expand off last season. So for me, I think you jump in now while the, while the water's uh, a little bit cold over there and you get yourself some Nico Heischer stocks. But with that said, you're going to have to preach patience here. Cause obviously we have the injury and he might be a little bit slow getting back, but I think it's worth the risk. If you know, he start he has those hot stretches that we've seen throughout his career. So I, Personally, I'm scared a bit of the ice time, but I think if, if things in New Jersey keep going like this, not it, they're not necessarily going bad, but they could be going better. I think he's someone you lean on um, for that secondary scoring. So uh, so I, I would love some Nico Heischer, and I'm actually going to go throw some trades around in my leagues. <laughs> he's definitely playing second fiddle at 5v5, but he was also on that top power play unit with Jack Hughes earlier. So uh, when he gets back, you'd expect that he's going to be on that top power play unit still and should still produce. Uh, D, what do you think about Nico Heischer? Yeah, I just think it's tricky because he's going to be hurt for, you know, at least the next week. We don't really know when he's going to come back. And um, in most leagues, like a, a team is going to have the IR spot to just kind of stash him. So I'm a little weary of what it would take to get him simply because, you know, he's not actually eating the spot on someone's roster. I think in a weird way, it might have been easier to get him before he was injured simply because they, you know, might have been looking to clear the space and thinking, you know, is this a guy I need to drop? Um, with just how poor it's been, which I obviously don't agree with at all. So I think it's a little bit tricky because I really don't want to give up a reliable fantasy asset for someone who is, you know, not going to play for at least another week. And at that point, you know, who knows how long it takes him to get up to speed and and, and shake off the rust that he's shown to this point and still going to be dealing with some of those lineup issues that we've been talking about. So, you know, if Dawson Mercer can get right, it'll go a long way, but that's like a pretty big tire fire on its own right now. So, uh, I'm obviously interested in Heischer, but yeah, again, I'm not looking to move anything of, of value or like any sort of reliable fantasy asset. Uh, yeah, I'm for, saying like a hot, maybe someone who started hot or someone who like, you know, you, yeah, maybe I, ideally, yeah, like I said, I just don't know how easy it's going to be to get him when, you know, there's no real need for someone to move him if they can stash him on his IR, but I'm down to try for sure. Yeah, you almost have to look at the team's roster and see like, are they a team? I know personally, we have a three IR league and I'm full in that. We also have another one that's four and i'm full in that one but it's probably because i yeah but you're the king of just stat guys so um next on the list we have jordan kairu who's at 83 percent owned the uh one of the leagues that d and i play in together he was actually dropped the other day and me and d uh was over the weekend and we just completely missed it and i'm like oh damn i texted d the next next day dude did you know that Jordan Cairo got dropped. Like, no, I'm like, yeah, we missed it over the weekend. So well, that was pretty uh, unfortunate. 83% owned Jordan Cairo just snuck right by us. D also got Andre Vasilevsky off the wire in that league already. So this league, and dude, they, <laughs> yeah, this league just is they they have absolutely no patience. It's the first time both of us have ever played in it, and like oh. just no patience at all. They're just dropping guys left and right. It's hilarious. So, uh, but yeah, Jordan Cairo, 83% owned. He was really funny in the preseason because like in our first episodes, we really really liked him and. Then his his draft stock just kept climbing faster than probably anybody's in the offseason. And um, whoever ended up reaching on him so far has not got the, the best return. Over 19 minutes a night so far, uh, one goal, two assists, three points in seven games. 
23 shots on goal, so still averaging 3.3 shots per game, which is the highest among any player that we're going to talk about on today's episode. Uh, shooting just 4.3% is a career um, much higher percent shooter. Sorry, uh, career 13.2% shooter. So obviously shooting 4.3% right now, that's not going to continue. The on-ice shooting percentage obviously lagging at, as well at 5.7%. So we talked about it, uh, especially a little bit of Robert Thomas a couple weeks ago. We really liked how much these two were playing over 19 minutes a night. The shot volume is really good. He's kind of on pace with what he ha- was shooting last year, which is around 275 shots for the season, which is great. Uh, as long as he kind of gets back to that, um, you know, 13% shooting percentage, he's going to be just fine. He's going to be back over 30 goals. He's going to be uh, over 30 assists still, I think, just with um, even with kind of the lack of talent. This team is not that bad. I think they'll be pretty bad uh, offensively for most of the season, but a lot of their offense is still going to kind of run through Kairou and Robert Thomas. So I think Kairou is a prime um, pickup candidate if he gets dropped in your league, uh, but definitely a buy low candidate. D, you missed him on the wire, and I know I'm disappointed. You must be as well. But what do you think about Kyrie moving forward? Yeah, totally agree. Nice to see that they got him back with Saad and Shen going into tonight's game against the Avalanche, uh, a line that he had a lot of success with. Success with, excuse me, last season. Um, and yeah, it's just I, it's you know he's not dropping out of that lineup, which is the encouraging thing to see, right? He's still getting a ton of minutes. Uh, they are not losing any faith in Jordan Kyrou for good reason. And you shouldn't be either. Um, so if you have him, yeah, just hold tight. It's going to get better. Um, and just, it's good to know that, like I said, he's either going to be in a situation with two guys that are effective at 5v5, effective at getting in and out of the zone, um, and are going to afford him a lot of offensive zone time. And worst case, you know, he's back with Robert Thomas. So uh, like you said, there's not a lot of talent to go around in St. Louis, but there is enough there to support Jordan Kyrou, uh, given just how talented he is. So yeah, he's a, he's a great, another great buy low target for me right now. Yeah, I absolutely cannot rip on him because if I did, it looked terrible. He was one of my sleeper picks going um, in our original show. So I, I I absolutely have to agree with you guys here. One thing that's incredibly glaring about this team, um, there's so much, maybe not so much, but there's a lot out there right now about how bad San Jose's off- offense is. It's historically terrible, but St. Louis is right there terribly they are only averaging 1.86 goals per game that's good for 31st in the league while only averaging 24 and a half shots on net also good for second worst that's not good but the one thing that's great here as we mentioned jordan kyra is kind of doing everything that i was excited about before the year started so at this point it's just a let's ride it out let's have it go he's still shooting still getting the ice time he's still the number one option um and no matter what's going on around them things are going to get better that power play is at a 4.8 percent right now that's like historically absolutely terrible that's 32nd in the league so that's last place um and when that improves even if they st- still have the worst power play in the league, it's not going to stay at 5%. If that improves by, you know, 5, 8%, maybe, then Kyra is going to definitely succeed there. He is a driving force to that team. He is, he's the number one option. So, yeah, I, I think this is a great, if anyone in any leagues I'm in wants to drop this fella, please do it right away. But um, make sure to do it on the weekend because then I could get it by you guys. So that'd be excellent. And also, if you guys need a third manager, feel free to call me in. But, uh, but no, that's, uh, I'm glad that he was on here because, um, yeah, I, I can't I can't give up on Jordan this early. Yeah, I mean, we could bring you in as our weekend manager, perhaps. Then I don't have to worry about looking at it on the weekend. But yeah, I'll just uh, use all your ad drops by Tuesday. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we, we've got uh, Johnny Gaudreau on the list next at 81%. This is another guy that I know I'm personally interested in buying low end still. Uh, 3.2 shots per game is really, really good. We're going to see him up. Uh, you know, well over that 220, 250 shot mark, which is kind of what we saw from him a season ago. Um, he's shooting, well, as you know, with zero goals and four assists, he's shooting 0% at the moment coming into the season, a 12.5% shooter. So with the current shot volume, as long as that, that shooting percentage regulates itself, which it should, uh, still a guy that could score at like a 30, 35 goal pace from here on out. And, uh, you know, four assists in, in nine games, certainly nothing to write home about, but also not terrible when you've got a 7.3 on a shooting percentage. The, uh, the blue jackets, obviously not uh, a dominant force in the NHL. They're, they're not very good, but in terms of, you know, kind of expected goals and scoring chance generation, they're, they're not like in the bottom five of the league. They're, they're, yeah. they're closer to like the bottom third. Uh, so they're not like the worst team in the league and Gaudreau is playing massive minutes over 20 minutes, uh, almost 21 minutes tonight, which is great. Uh, still obviously a huge play driver on that team right now. So, I, I do think things will probably correct themselves. Obviously, when Patrick Line gets back, they're probably going to score a couple more goals as well, especially on the power play. So 
Goudreau, I'm not concerned. There, there's, um, you know, not too many red flags here. It just seems like a case of bad luck early on. It's only been nine games. I would definitely be looking to buy low. And as we mentioned, just 81% owned. So if you're in that 19% of leagues where he's available, uh, this is a guy who like, even in kind of what we would consider a, a down year of sorts, still at 74 points a season ago. So, um, you know, that's pretty good production from the waiver wire. But Biebs, uh, what do you think about Johnny hockey? I think it's kind of laughable that there's 19% of leagues who don't have him on a roster. Cause like you said, 74 points still is probably rosterable in even like a 16 league or 14. I don't know. I don't really play in those, but time on ice is so huge here. Um, and the t- almost 21 minutes a night is, is absolutely beautiful T- to even have a 7% on a shooting percentage while not having any goals to your name. It's kind of impressive. Um, so when he starts doing not impressive, but it's at least not terrible, but when he starts doing his thing, obviously that's going to change a lot. Um, my big point was going to be Patrick line. We watched him just get absolutely, I mean, attacked. Well, I don't know what, what we want to call it, but whatever um, happened, he's out. But when he comes back, I loved him going into the season. I thought he was a, a I mean, he's an elite goal scorer. And with Johnny Hockey being an elite passer, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, I think you should absolutely jump all over this. This is another buy low. And with that said, I would like to say him and Kyrie having a lower own percentage than he sure. I'd rather have both of them, I believe, um, going the rest of the way. And they're both wingers as well, which is kind of nice. I would agree. They can go in, in there. So, yeah, for me, Johnny Hockey's a guy where uh, we, we love finding these trends early on because we can attack them and um, and, and we can watch other managers kind of panic. And uh, I, I think, you know, we're going to end the year. He's going to be at 80 points and we'll be laughing because someone gave him up to you for Andre Blatt. Not actually, but like a, trying to think of someone who's hot right now. For uh, a Dylan Strom, someone gave him up. <laughs> yeah, that uh, would yeah. be a bad deal. Yeah, you can maybe pull. I, I think like there's even room for the shot shooting percentage or uh, shot volume to grow a little bit too. Like we've this already seen crazy. a game of seven yeah. shots, then five, four, four. Like he's got four games in, in four of his nine games. He's got it uh, over four shots, which is he only did 20 times a season ago. So, you know, if he can continue to really rack up the shot volume with, with, you know, playing 21 minutes, I think there's room for even more goals from him this season. But D what do you think about Johnny? Yeah, nothing to add, to be honest. I totally agree. This is a guy who's just too talented for, you know, these rates to continue. And, uh, you know, his on-ice shooting percentage are probably much closer in line with his career rates once he figures out his personal shooting percentage. He's really tanking it himself by uh, shooting 0% on the year. So, uh, yeah, the, you know, very obvious turnaround candidate and someone you need to be patient with if you do have him on your roster. Next on the list is Drake Batherson of the Ottawa Senators, 66% owned at the moment. He's played eight games. He has one goal, three assists, four points, so 0.5 points per game for him right now. 17 shots on goal is good for 2.1 shots per game, and he's playing just over 17 and a quarter minutes uh, this season. 5.9 shooting percentage, 9.5 on a shooting percentage. Um, the Senators are are a little funny. Like, they're so banged up on the blue line. Um, Josh Norris came back. He looks great. I don't know what's going on. Like, Batherson's doesn't look great. Tarasenko looks pretty below average at the moment. So it's kind of a hard team to put your, your finger on. But obviously, I think the, the easy thing to point out is that, um, you know, he's an 11% career shooter shooting 5.9% this year. But when you look back at last year, he shot just 8.8%. And it's like, has he lost something? Like, what's going on here? I mean, last year, obviously, the injuries to the you know to Josh Norris certainly didn't help. He, he played a lot of ice time um, on that line with, with Alex DeBrincat and uh, you know Shane Pinto. So this is you know something that you think would correct itself, but when you put these two seasons together right now, I mean, it's been ninety games. He's only scored twenty three goals and he shot eight point six percent. I'm a little concerned about the goal scoring as a whole. It's never really been anything that he's done supremely well. So to me, um, probably not somebody I'm super interested in at the moment. Uh, if I if I drafted him, which I do own him in one league, I'm not dropping him by any stretch, but he's also not a guy that I'm actively targeting in comparison to some of these other names uh, we've already talked about. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I, I do have him in a couple of leagues and just kind of um, staying pat. You know, I, I think he's going to be fine, right? But again, it's not someone you really want to give up anything of consequence for simply because he does have uh, a ceiling. You know, he's uh, never been a, a high percentage shooter. He's never been an elite finisher. He's going to need that volume. So it's probably going to take a while for that shooter percentage to climb back up. But he should be a consistent producer for you in terms of assists, power play points. Uh, and I do think that team is going to figure it out and score some more goals. So he's someone I'm waiting on. But yeah, again, not someone that 
um, trading anything of substantial value for more or less. I'm holding on to him or looking to scoop him up if someone does move to drop him because, you know, he is dropping like flies right now. Yeah, it's almost like that extra minute 25 that he's not playing this year is kind of affecting his fantasy stats. And that that, that makes me very nervous. Um, as you guys mentioned, I'm not running for him either. And I was, I've, I've always kind of been a Bathurst and truther. I thought he'd have a huge breakout last year. So um, after seeing what he did, I, I just don't love what's going on over there. The 17-11 time on ice. We're talking about guys like Johnny Goudreau who are averaging 21 minutes. Kyra's just under 20. There's better names out there. So personally, um, these are just trends that scare me. It's averaging 2.1 shots per game. That's really not that great, especially from a guy who gave us 250 last year. So um, I think we can all collectively agree that we're going to kind of let other teams deal with Batherson or like Brock said, if you own them, just kind of just, just go along for the ride for now. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to jump the gun at this fellow and trade realistically. Yeah. On pace for 70 less shots than a season ago, which is not great. But uh, now we got to talk about Jonathan Huberdeau from the Calgary Flames, 65% owned. Two goals, three assists, five points in nine games. Just 1.7 shots per game. The shooting percentage is 13.3, which is pretty good. Uh, the on a shooting percentage is just 6.7, though. So this is such a weird situation. Like, it just seemed like he was going to bounce back. Daryl Sutter's gone. It's all going to work. And then, like, they look just as dysfunctional as they did last year. And you've got, like, Nikita Zadorov calling out the team. They just don't look right. And Huberto obviously is just not playing at an elite level anymore. You know, for me, I got him so late in a couple drafts, like I think like 10th round in one of them. And it's just like at this point, I'm going to hold on for a little bit longer and just see where it goes. Cause like, you know, he's talented. And at this point, like you're like, they need to just give this man like 25 minutes a night and just be like, Hey, if you don't produce, at least you can't complain about your ice time or any, like, you know what? Like he just complains about, and it's this and it's that it's this and it's that it's, if you just give him the ice time, see what he can do. If he doesn't produce, then see you later. Uh, I mean, you can't say see you later because you owe him a zillion dollars, but yeah, this is just a tough situation. But to me, you got him so late because people were scared of him after what they saw last year. And it's been a lot of what we saw last year. Uh, so I'll hold on to him for the time being. We might revisit this one in a couple weeks. You guys both hold on to him. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't drop to me in drafts. I'll say that. But um, Calgary currently 29th in the NHL in goals, only averaging 2.11 a game. So, you know, that's, uh, you said it, tire fire. So I'm not going for him. But if you have him, don't drop him because it should get better. And if it doesn't in a week and a half or next week when we're talking, when we bring up streamers, there you go. Get rid of your boy Hubes or make a trade. Well, but yeah, no. Too talented talk, right now to let, let, let go of. As let, let's talk about his teammate, too, in the same breath here. He's 48% owned Nazem Kadri. One goal, one assist, playing uh, 17 and three-quarter minutes a night, 2.2 points per game, 2.7 shots on goal, 4.2 shooting percentage, and 5.7 on a shooting percentage. So, obviously, some some metrics that you'd expect to improve, but not really seeing a lot of Kadri. has been kind of relegated to a third-line role behind Lindholm and uh, Backlund. So, D, are you holding on to Huberto and dropping Kadri? Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And again, Huberto, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but super similar to Batherson. He's not someone that I'm looking to give up anything of value for just simply because of um, all the issues that you talked about, all those red flags. But yeah, it's someone that I expect to at least be better than what he's shown to this point of the year. Uh, and you just trust, you know, his longer track record than Kadri is a bit of a one season wonder playing with all that talent in Colorado. Aside from that, uh, this is what Kadri is, right? He's a decent streaming start when the schedule lines up. Uh, but not someone that you need to hold on your roster year round. So I'm happy to drop Kadri, happy to hold on Huberdo. And I do think, you know, Rasmus Anderson, you know, the lineup for the last four games, he's returned. That could potentially help that power play a little bit, which is obviously Huberdo's main specialty. So hopefully that helps turn things around a little bit. And like you said, they just throw more ice at him because it can't get any worse than it's been for Huberdo and they need him to figure it out or they at least need to give him every opportunity to figure it out. One thing I think, too, that's keeping him on my roster would just be the position eligibility. I'd say the 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 left wing for Hubes, center for Kadri. But Brock, go ahead there. No, I was going to say I think we can all agree on this next guy, Maddie Berniers of the Seattle Kraken, fifty one percent owned, no goals, three assists, just one point eight shots on goal per game isn't great. Obviously, the zero percent shooting percentage isn't great, and then the five point three on ice shooting percentage also something you'd expect to uh, return to the norm. Not a guy that necessarily shot the puck a ton a season ago, just 148 shots. Uh, we're seeing kind of a lot of the uh, same thing this year on pace for about 150. It's looking a lot 
like it did last year. I, I said, a little, you know, pretty often in the preseason that I wasn't a huge fan of the Seattle Kraken coming in. I think that everything kind of clicked for them a season ago. Uh, all at the same time was kind of the perfect storm. And there's a lot of regression candidates on this team. And it's kind of all hitting at once. Uh, that being said, I think I would imagine you guys are in agreement with me that Beneers from a season-long standpoint, uh, season-long league, probably not somebody I'm interested in at the moment. But this is a great buy-low opportunity in dynasty or keeper formats because his value is basically at an all-time low. And I think you could get him on the cheap. And I still obviously have pretty high hopes for Beneers moving forward, not just this year, but in seasons um, from now. But what do you think here about Beneers really quickly, D? Yeah, totally agree. Um, you know, the talent is there. He flashed it last season. We know the upside for a guy that's still, I think, just 20 years old. So, um, yeah, a lot, lot to love here for Beneers um, in terms of his upside moving forward in years to come. And, uh, yeah, I do agree that the roster construction this year just leaves a little bit to be desired, especially from an offensive standpoint. So it might be a down year. You might need to take that into consideration when you're putting together a package for him, but definitely a guy that you can try to pry from uh, a frustrated manager and keeper in dynasty formats right now. Yeah, it's just a classic sophomore slump, fellas. That's all we're seeing here um, after last year. And and it's someone who realistically, if he, if he does not have the sophomore slump, we're talking about maybe 65 points. And at that point, from a strictly center player, in a redraft, I'm not super giddy about it. So with the with the not great start, I'm out. But um, but yeah, like you said, keeper league, I am licking my chops. A 20 year old who gets 20 minutes of ice here and there, oh baby, put that on any of my dynasty rosters. But uh, as far as redraft, he can just chill and be someone I play when Seattle has a nice little matchup and I need a centerman. Yeah, it's not all bad news either, right? He's playing over about 90 seconds more per game this year. 1706 time on ice last year, 1833 this year, which is obviously great. I do think, while you know, regression is probably going to hit the Kraken, and it already has, you know, I think they're probably hit a little too hard, and it's going to correct itself back the other way, shooting just 7.52% as a team so far this year. I think there are still better days ahead for this team as a whole, even though on the season, I think it's obviously going to be a lot worse than it was a season ago. Max Domi, 38% owned from the Toronto Maple Leafs, just playing 13 and a half minutes a night, four assists, no goals, just 1.4 shots per game. You know, for me, he's a guy that I'll stream when he gets a ride in that top six with, with Matthews or Tavares. But right now, uh, I, you know, as talented as I think Domi and Matthew Nyes both are, whenever they're playing with David Camp, I am not interested. Um, I know that D, you are not the biggest Sheldon Key fan. I know that uh, Leafs fans think that he is a terrible roster builder or lineup builder. And this goes to show that he is terrible at building his lineup. So while Domi's riding with camp, I'm assuming you are out. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, you have, you know, clearly who is their, you know, one of their best defensive forwards, at least outside of their, you know, main players like that. Uh, Matthews and Marner uh, comp would definitely fill that role as their best penalty killer. You know, their best, you know, one of the better options to have take draws in your D zone and you're playing him with two uh, guys that are not known for the defensive play and known for their offensive upside at the other end of the ice. So yeah, I'm feeling for Domi and Nyes right now. Um, it's a bit of an issue with the roster construction itself and that there's, you know, you can argue there's no other option there, but I'd like to see Domi just get a run in that third line center role, even if they're playing a little bit less and a little more sheltered minutes. Again, I don't think it results and really any sort of fantasy value for Domi and Nyes until one of them is able to move up into the top six. But in terms of at least putting a lineup together that is more cohesive and makes sense, I think that would go a long way. But yeah, either way, I mean, I wasn't big on Domi coming into the season. Uh, it just doesn't look like he was ever going to get the minutes or the usage he needs. And we've seen him even in, um, you know, playing on worse teams, getting a ton of minutes. He's really not going to be able to create enough chances on his own to justify rostering and uh, season-long league. So unless he is able to move up to either the Taveras or the Matthews line for an extended run of time, he's going to be little, little more than uh, a streaming target. And even then, he's not going to offer, as he said, a whole lot of value as so long as David Comp is centering him. Yeah, I don't think I've ever or will ever own or try to own someone who's only averaging 13 and a half minutes in fantasy. There's just, there's 32 teams that play 60 minutes a night that have power plays and people on those power plays. And uh, Domi doesn't touch that. He's averaging 13 and a half. I'm out, boys. Um, but yeah, he could make a nice streamer if that lineup shuffles, if he finds his way in the top six. But for now, he's uh, he's going to chill on that free agency. And I'm actually quite surprised that he's at 38%. I feel like there's a couple people like in the 35 to 30 range that are way more productive playing on first lines, playing on power plays, playing more than third line minutes. So yeah, I'll uh, big time out on Max this year. Kind of always have been. 
it's everybody's Leafs fans dad who's just like Max Domi's still good holding on to him forever. Uh, but yeah, David Camp definitely perfectly suited as a fourth line center. I can start to see why they were trying to work Willie Nylander as a third line center because they seem to be missing one at the moment. Okay, Dawson Mercer's next 30% owned. We talked about him a little bit last week. Um, basically just a streaming candidate at this point. D, I know you're going to talk about him a little bit later in the show, so we'll talk about him uh, after when we get to D's streamers. Uh, but Nikolai Ehlers, somebody that we were all pretty high on coming into the season, really thought that uh, he could blossom when healthy. Uh, was banged up in the preseason. I think a lot of the, what's kind of ailing him at the moment is just kind of that lingering injury from the preseason, four points in nine games. But man, the, the time on ice is pretty, pretty tragic. Just 15 minutes and six, uh, f- just uh, over 15 and a half minutes a night. He is still getting 3.1 shots on goal per game. So to me, I'm still interested in Nikolai Ehlers. I think there are better days ahead. Um, you know, I've been high on him forever, but like on the waiver wire, I think that it's hard to find players with as much potential upside as Nick Ehlers possesses and 3.1 shots per game is excellent, but it's not just the 3.1 shots. He has 71 shot attempts. He's averaging almost eight shot attempts per game, which is just absolutely bananas over the course of 82 games. That's on pace for 647 shot attempts. So um, it's been a tough start. If he's dropped to your waiver wire, I absolutely still am interested. Hopefully when he's, you know, he gets healthier, starts playing more minutes and, you know, the rates themselves right now, 7% shooting percentage, 6% on a shooting percentage. Those are going to improve. There's still a lot of upside here with Nick Ehlers. So if you're in that 71% of leagues where he's been dropped, pick him up, do yourself a favor. If you're in the other 29% of leagues where he's still on rosters, I would still be trying to buy low on him right now. It probably wouldn't cost much at all um, because I do think that there's plenty of upside. Do either one of you guys disagree with me and say that I'm, I'm nuts? Or are you still no. you still in on Ehlers? I think you're nailing this one. And I think as he gets healthier after missing 37 games, that time of ice goes up. Um, so, yeah, you're spot on. This is a lot less glaring of an ice time issue than Max Domi. So um, I, I love it. And it's pretty crazy to think of where the production could go with a few more shots. I just don't know if he's going to get those extra minutes. Like, it was really disappointing when Velarde was injured and he, you know, hasn't even gotten a sniff or an opportunity to play on that top line. And I don't really know why. Maybe they just love the fact that he's able to carry that second line on his own. But yeah, that kind of shot volume when he's playing with Nemestikov and Perfetti is super, super impressive. Uh, so yeah, there's still a lot of upside there. But again, I just don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. If it didn't happen when Velarde got hurt, don't know if it's ever going to happen this season. You know, he's, he's not going to really be able to put up the raw numbers and kind of force his way onto that top line if he's only playing 15 minutes a night. So I, I still love Yulis. I love the individual talent on the upside. But again, someone who I'm kind of weary of trading for simply because I don't know if it's going to get any better in terms of the ice time. Yeah, they're definitely trying to balance things out a bit with Iafalo. And Iafalo's looked good up there. That top line's still been pretty solid with him. So, um, yeah, this is a team that, that needs Velarde back, but they uh, I'm still in at eight shot attempts per game. couple names I'm assuming you guys are ready to drop. Capo Caco, 7%. Hasn't done anything with his opportunity on that top line. Just two points in nine games. Uh, and Lucas Reichel, um, I think there was hope that he could potentially play with Connor Bedard, especially after the Taylor Hall injury. That has not happened. He's only 5%. The only reason I really included him on this list, I don't know if I've ever or if we've ever covered a player on the podcast that has had a 0.00 on ice shooting percentage. And like, this is a man impressive. who plays on the power play. Like This is in all situations, 0% on ice shooting. Hasn't been on the ice for a single goal for so far this season. We've never talked about a player like that, have we? Like, There's no way. I, I so feel he, bad for him. The guy just like forgets what it's like to celebrate. Like, yeah, he hasn't he, had he's, the fellas in a while. When, when they do finally score and he's on the ice, it's going to be like, I don't know what to do with my hands. You better <laughs> throw that monkey so far off his back. Yeah. That it, yeah. It goes. Yeah. It goes all the way to Detroit. What happens Absolutely. first? Uh, Baron Hayden point or Lucas Reichel <laughs> on the ice for a goal? I think Barrett Hayton point. It comes tonight before this episode even airs tomorrow. I no, friggin' hope so, man. They're going to score eight goals again, and he's not going to touch a single part of that stat sheet which was yeah. insane the other night, by the way. The whole line didn't get on the score sheet. It was bonkers. But, uh, okay, let's talk about a couple goalies really quickly. And this hurts because I think we're pretty high on all three of these guys, and they have not got off to good starts. Firstly, Philip Gustafson uh, started five games so far, two wins, two losses, one OT loss, one shutout, which was like a 95-save shutout in opening night. Uh, but on the season, 436 goals against average, 885 save percentage, Minus 3.6 goals saved above expected or below expected, whichever way you want to look at it. 
Uh, like I said, the, the, the first start of the season, it was like, oh, yeah, Philip Gustafson is just going to do exactly what he did a season ago. 41 save shutout. So I, I, I blew that one out of proportion a little bit. 41 save shutout against the Panthers in four starts since. He has given up seven, five, four, and six goals. 22 goals against on 150 shots for an 853 save percentage. Um, the one reason why I was still very much in on Philip Gustafson after last year's breakout season was because the Minnesota Wild are historically very good, good. defensively. This year, that has not been the case. They have been struggling. Uh, that being said, both Matt Boldy and Jared Spurgeon practice today. Um, those two, getting those two players back will be very, very big for this team. So I am very much in the corner of buying low on Philip Gustafson right now. I think that this team is going to right the ship eventually, and there's just no way that he continues to struggle at this level. It is also worth mentioning his opponents in which he was lit up in those games were the Maple Leafs, who are very, very good, the Blue Jackets, who aren't very good, the Oilers, who are outstanding, and then the Philadelphia Flyers, who were off to a pretty hot start, especially on home ice. So a couple typical matchups in that stretch. So I, I'm still in the corner that the Wild can get things right and that Philip Gustafson is a fine buy low. D, you're, you probably have more stocks in Philip Gustafson than any of us, at least you did last season. This is your guy. What are you thinking of doing with him right now? Just holding, holding Pat. Yeah, I mean, there's been some good starts in there too, right? It's not like it's been all bad. It's, uh, you know, he's made five appearances on the season. Two of them have been really good. Uh, and the other three haven't been great. So it's really early on. The biggest issue is that, you know, Flurry has, I guess, slightly outplayed him to this point. Um, mm. And I mean, 888, he's been nothing special himself either. So they're still going to be looking for more consistency here. And I just think at, you know, at their point in their respective careers, there's, um, there's no doubt in my mind that they expect that to be Gustafson at this point. Fleury's still going to play a lot more than the average backup, but uh, I think this is the team that knows uh, they need to get Gustafson right if they're going to make a serious run uh, into and uh, and deep into the postseason. So yeah, Gustafson, I'm, I'm really not that worried about. It's been like three bad games through five appearances. The most difficult thing is that when you're a 1A like Gustafson is, as opposed to just a workhorse starter, it just takes a while for those uh, to build up those good starts when you have a couple of rough ones early on to really balance out the numbers. So that that's just the grind with Gustafson, unfortunately. Um, but I do expect him to, to get right and, and show us more of the goaltender that he was last season because he's already flashed it at times this year. Facing yeah. an average of 38 shots per game so far. So if you're in points leagues especially, he's going to continue to see that much shuffle. I mean, if he's given up goals, he's finishing the night with positive points. Uh, anything quick to add on Gustafson, Beeps? Yeah, just a 38-year-old with an 888 doesn't scare me at all to take a job um, from some or a, a main job or to take that those those portion of starts. So I think you guys nailed it. Um, he's he's a phenomenal buy low candidate, and you rarely get them with. Uh, I mean, not phenomenal, but a good buy low candidate, and you rarely get those with uh, with guys in fantasy hockey and with goalies especially. So um, I, I think it's a good one to target. Now, if Mark Andre Fleury's posting 920 right now, things might be different. But uh, but I think they're both going to improve. Um, but I definitely, I definitely would love to take some some stabs at Gustafson because there's a lot of goalie questions out there in fantasy hockey right now. So getting Spurgeon back is going to be very, Massive. very important. Next on the list is uh, Tristan Yari, who's 85% owned, two and five, uh, has a 284 goals against average, an 893 save percentage, and minus 1.9 goals saved below expected. Uh, Jari's hilarious because he either gives up four goals on 25 shots or he posts a shutout so far this season he has two shutouts in his two victories. Uh, one of which coming against the Colorado avalanche. I'm not that worried, especially with Alex Nadelkovich hurt. I do not think Magnus Helberg is going to just like all of a sudden come in and be a superstar and steal this job. Magnus Helberg's not very good. Um, the penguins are fine middle of the pack in terms of expected goals again. So they're pretty fine defensively and they currently lead the league in all situations, expected goals for, so definitely going to get plenty of goal support. If you're Tristan Yari, uh, I do think that he's going to write the ship. We've seen two shutouts out of him already. And then he has a firmer grasp on this job now than he did coming into the season. So I'm fine with Tristan Yari. I have him, I think, in every single one of my leagues. So I hope he figures it out because if he doesn't, I could be in some shit. Beebs, what do you think about Yari? It, we're kind of just watching the Pittsburgh defense figure it out right now. Um, obviously, we all know Carlson came in. We've had some injuries go around. And with that kind of, you know, Yari struggled. But you mentioned it. They, they they lead the league in shots on goal. And when you do that, you're usually driving offense. So it, it should improve for Yari. The win should definitely improve. And he, I mean, 
if not, he's just going to have to get a shutout every single win. Um, but no, I, I think this is another great buy low and someone who's going to work horse the rest of the year. Um, if or if uh, Pittsburgh is to write this ship, it's going to involve Tristan Yari in that net. It's not going to be any of the other guys there. It's someone who for, for years, he, he never had a save percentage below 909 for four straight, five straight, actually. So I expect things to kind of write themselves there. Um, we even saw it last year. He had a terrible, terrible start. People were talking about dropping him, and then closer to the end of the year, he went on a, a very hot stretch. So we, uh, we've we seen highs and lows from Yari before. I, I think every year he turns out to kind of – we know what we're getting. You're getting your 50 or 55 starts. So I, I'll, I'll bet on that. And if someone wants to bite and uh, go for someone who's hot right now, I'll, I'll be in. Do you anything to add on Yari? No, I agree. I mean, I had him ranked as kind of a low-end fantasy uh one net miner coming into the season. I think that's exactly what he is, right? He's not going to have the high individual performance to really push himself anywhere kind of near the top 10. Um, but someone who I think kind of settles in that 12 to 15 range. Uh, and it's just going to continue to get a lot of starts for a team that should be right along the playoff bubble, which is, I think, just more valuable in fantasy than people realize, just getting those starts as well. Uh, and to your point, Brock, they're pretty similar to Gustafson, a guy who's flashed it at times this season. He's had some rough games that over a small sample size, I think make it look a little bit worse than he is. I don't think he's their biggest problem right now. I don't love the Penguins as a whole, but I still think, like I said, they're going to be right around the middle of the pack in the league and battling for a playoff spot. And Yari should continue to get the lion's share of the work. So uh, a good buy low for me, just simply because it's, it's hard to find those workhorses, even on teams that are kind of on the bubble. Next on the list and last on the list before we get to these streamers is Jacob Markstrom with the Calgary Flames dropping to 73% owned. He's one in five, 288 goals against average, 901 save percentage, uh, 1.6 goals saved above expected. Honestly, he's looked pretty good. Um, the flames are just pretty, as we said, pretty dysfunctional right now. So, um, I think that the flames are probably in a little bit of trouble. That being said, I I think that they're going to be better than they have been. Are they going to be a playoff team is going to be tough, especially if they continue to dig themselves in a hole here, but I think they're going to be good enough to make Markstrom serviceable. And then where you drafted Markstrom is perfectly reasonable right now. Um, he's still going to get a ton of starts. Dan Vladar proposes very, little threat the only concern would be dustin wolf um if he comes up but hopefully when he comes up you're quick enough to the trigger where you can pick him up because i think he'll be fine as well so that's the type of like panic move that i think is gonna happen if this team continues to struggle so i'm okay with markstrom still at the moment i think that we're all probably a little bit more patient than your typical fantasy owner which is why we're seeing these own percentages drop pretty substantially uh just to give you an update on dustin wolf he has not lost a game yet for an O with a 921 save percentage in the ahl so um if the flames continue to struggle the chance uh for Blitz or for wolf to come up are gonna get louder and louder and i do think that it's probably a matter of time you know i think was it carter hart who was kind of in a similar boat where like he was supposed to just be in the ahl and then, like, the Flyers had a bunch of injuries, and, like, we're a pretty decent team, and then Hart just got thrust into the NHL way quicker. Yeah, he only played 18 yeah. AHL games and then came up. Um, I, I think we could see something similar with Wolf. I think they have a bigger plan for him, but it's not uh, – it might not be, you know, utilized the way they hoped because of their yeah. early season struggles. It might be time to expedite that plan. Um, there you go. If things start going like this. But, but I, I don't have much more to add on Marks from there. I think he makes a great – Maybe not a great, but a good bottom of your roster goalie for now, just strictly off his starts, but be very selective too at the same time. You know, if he's going against Toronto, if he's going against Colorado, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put him in net because you're likely to have other starters. Um, but out of the Especially three, Especially right now while they're figuring it out and playing oh. poorly, you got to be a little and, bit more selective. Anderson out too. Um, when your top D man is out for four games, you, you, you kind of want to stay away from that as well. So, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, he's going to be dropping. I think he's going to be dropping like a fly. There's a lot of people looking at that 892 last year going, oh, I want none of this. But yeah, no, I, I, why not? It, with the starts until Wolf gets going up there. And I think it's a big until, like you said, that news will be out. So you'll have time to figure it out. Do you anything to add on him really quickly? Yeah, I just, I don't know if they're going to call up Wolf if the team looks as bad yeah. as it does. You don't want a young goalie's confidence just getting tanked because they're getting absolutely laced with shots and high danger chances. So I don't know if that'll happen. The other issue is, like, I would say Markstrom would be a good trade candidate just given the situation and the fact that his career and the trajectory of the team seem to be on different uh, uh, levels right now. But 
uh, that contract's just going to be really hard to move. He's still got two years left of a $6 million hit over the next two seasons. So I don't know, it, it, especially if you look at it, like the way the next two years are constructed, both of the next two seasons are a two and a half million dollar signing bonus due at the start of the fiscal year. And then, uh, three and a half salary after that. So I think if anything, he's probably more likely to move in the app in the off season after that bonus kicks in uh, and make it a lot more manageable to take it on. And, you know, one less year at that hit. So if he continues playing well, I, I, that's probably his best case scenario. So this year in redraft leagues, it's probably not going to get a lot better, but I agree with Biebs. Like if you have him on your roster, it's probably because you didn't take any really, or at least you didn't take a pair of really reliable goalies early on. If you did, and he was more just a filler, then you can maybe look to move him. Um, see if you can get any sort of value for him or just kind of hold on to him and, and treat him exactly what he is probably going to be this year. And that's a third net minder for your fantasy team. Someone that, as Beep said, you just can't uh, rely to throw out there regardless of the matchup. You really got to be careful. And it, again, like, like Brock said, it's not his own fault. He's been playing well. His individual performance has been fine, but the team in front of him just has not been up to par so far. I agree with you about Wolf. Like they don't want to thrust him into it. And like at this point, it's like, do you want to just miss the playoffs? Probably. Uh, that's probably the, the route that they want to go. Uh, before we get to D streamers, let's get to the betting corner with the Betway bets of the day. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm just going to take a quick look at tomorrow's game. Uh, we, tomorrow's games, excuse me. There's a couple games that I like. Firstly, the Toronto Maple Leafs over at Betway right now, plus 100 in Boston tomorrow, uh, which is just glaringly obvious the fact that I'm not a huge believer in the Bruins to begin with, but then you factor in that Charlie McAvoy is suspended for four games and Matt Grizzlick is out on, on LTIR missing two, basically their top pair, two key cogs on that back end. Uh, the Maple Leafs probably being undervalued in the market after just playing their worst game of the season against the Kings. Uh, so I like the Maple Leafs at plus 100. And then speaking of the Kings, I also really like them in Ottawa, even odds against the Sens at minus 110. I think the Kings are a team that are still a little bit undervalued. Uh, they are pretty sizable dogs against the Leafs the other night. They got the win. They look really, really good. I'm hoping that Cam Talbot gets the start. I would, you know, I don't know how long that line will last. It might be gone by the time this airs in the morning. But at minus 110, I, I think the Kings are a nice price there. They're playing extremely good hockey right now. The Senator is missing still. Uh, some big defensemen on that back end and still kind of trying to figure things out between the pipes as well. So I like the Kings minus 110 and the Toronto Maple Leafs plus 100 uh, for Thursday's slate. Uh, now let's turn our attention to D for D streamers. Thank you very much, Brock. Appreciate you remembering me and our uh, most uh, listeners favorite segment of the entire yeah. show. Uh, Ours too. But yeah, we're going to, we're going to dig into some streamers here. Give me a second here. Let me just pull them up. 
All right, so we got two games on Friday, 15 on on Saturday, and then just two once again on Sunday. So, of course, as far as skaters are concerned, we're going to be looking at the teams playing on Friday and Sunday. This weekend, unfortunately, leaves us with just the New Jersey Devils playing on those two quieter nights. So uh, let's get into the Devils. They're two fantastic matchups. They're in St. Louis on Friday and then in Chicago on Sunday. Uh, and it's the second consecutive week that the Devils are rocking the Friday-Sunday schedule. And just as I highlighted last week, their wealth of offensive talent just doesn't leave us with a whole lot of production to uh, sift through on the wire. Uh, but Nico Heischer's upper body injury that we talked about earlier in the show does open up some additional opportunity and ice time for some of the Devils' depth forwards this weekend. And while technically neither of Dawson Mercer, who has center right wing eligibility, 30% owned, uh, or Eric Alva, left wing, 21% owned, neither of them moved up the Devils' lineup as a result of the Heischer injury, but they did see a sizable increase in ice time. Uh, in the first game in Heischer's absence. Halla played in even 17 minutes, which is up from an average time on ice of 14.25 on the season. And Mercer was up over 21 minutes after averaging 16.10 through his first six games. So Halla, to me, is the clear choice if you have the option of picking between the two. Uh, he's off to a red-hot start. He's posted five goals and one assist through his first seven games while also firing 19 shots on goal, despite what up until this point has been limited ice time. He's centering Mercer and Lazar at 5v5 while also figuring in on the team's second power play unit. So I'm happy to stay in the flames with Halla and roll with the red hot player this weekend. He's my number one streaming target. And then given the increase in ice time we saw last game, uh, Mercer, a very clear runner up to Halla. But even with his dreadful start to the season, uh, which he's been pointless, if you guys don't know, uh, shot volume continues to be a glaring issue as well. He's got just six shots on goal through eight games. So all this will hopefully be, uh, I'm saying hopefully this will be the only time this season that I'm recommending a player that's pointless in their last eight games. But because we're limited to just a single team to stream from, the talent Mercer flashes a rookie last year combined with that increase in ice time and the opportunity and the fact that he's playing with Hala, who you know I expect to do some work this uh, this weekend, means that Mercer is also worthy of a flyer. And then Andre Palat, left wing, 4% owned, is probably the only other name even worthy of a mention. But I think even in deeper leagues, I'd feel better off picking up a more productive and reliable skater that's only going to add one game to your lineup as opposed to rolling the dice twice with Palat. He's playing under 15 minutes a night. He's got zero goals, two assists, and only 12 shots on goal in the season. And any upside he offered at 5v5 went out the window when Michael McLeod filled in for he should center Palat and Brat on the second line. So it's Hala, it's Mercer for me, and if neither of those guys are available then I'm just looking for some single game spot starts on Friday and Sunday. And then getting into the goalies, uh, just one team with the Thursday, Friday back-to-back this week. And that is the stars of this weekend streamer segment, the New Jersey Devils, who we've been uh, continuously talking about on this show. They're in Minnesota on Thursday before, as I said, going to St. Louis on Friday. So there's a good chance the Devils stick with Vanacek on Thursday, which would open up a start for Akira Schmid, 38% owned against the Blues on Friday. Talked about Shmi last week. He struggled. He's got just an 863 save percentage through his first three games of the year, but he and the Devils will be big, big favorites in St. Louis on Friday, even on the tail end of a back-to-back. So he's an excellent bet to make if he's available in your league and you're eager to pick up an extra win heading into the weekend. Uh, the Friday-Saturday schedules this weekend, we got the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, however, I would expect Devin Levi to get back in the crease against the Flyers on Friday. He backed up tonight. Uh, which makes them a pass this weekend because you're not going to start UPL even with how hot he's been against the Leafs on Saturday, uh, 15 games late. If UPL is available and he still gets the nod on Friday, given how well he's played up late, uh, then you know he would be a worthy spot to start as well. And then next up, we've got the Flyers, who, as I just mentioned, have the Sabres on Friday before taking on the Kings on Saturday. Again, this can be a pass for me. Similar to the Sabres, it should be hard on Friday night, and I got no desire to squeeze Urson into my lineup Saturday against Los Angeles. And this could even get... Uh, a little bit uh, uglier given the heart injury tonight. So we'll have to see how that shapes up. I mean, Urson against the Sabres on Friday wouldn't be worst case if he's thrust into that spot as well. So another one to consider for Friday night, I guess. But uh, no interest in that start on Saturday, given the busyness of the slate. Yeah, they just sent Sandstrom down too today just for a conditioning assignment or yesterday. So I don't think that they're necessarily wanting to lean on him. So Urson might even get the double this weekend or just, you know, one. Yeah, I'd be surprised given how little he's played and the do. fact that he had to come in tonight. But I mean, either way, like, uh, there's yeah, just it's not going to be pretty. that Saturday. Yeah, start. But not, yeah not, a, not a strong performance again from him tonight. Struggled in his uh, season debut as well. Gave up two goals on the only just nine shots that he faced tonight. So he's been. Yep. Uh, in a bit of a tough spot. They obviously carried three goalies for a reason um, to open the season. Sandstrom will almost certainly be recalled now if, if Hart is to miss time. Uh, and Sandstrom will almost certainly get one of those starts to goalie that they've been okay with in the past. Um, worth mentioning, too, he got shelled in his only AHL conditioning start so far. So it's a bit of a, bit of a mess there for the Flyers. And like you said, not the best matchups at all. For sure. 
Uh, one last Friday, Saturday, back-to-back to cover, and that is the St. Louis Blues. As I already said, difficult matchup against the Devils on Friday, but then they get to host the Canadians on Saturday. So if you are, for some reason, in need of a start on Saturday's 15-game slate, or maybe you just don't have a great option, you got some tough matchups for your starting goalies. Joel Hoffer, 3% owned, uh, would make for a great spot start, assuming Bennington goes against New Jersey on Friday. Uh, Hofer owns a 9-13 save percentage through two games this season and would be a slight favorite at home on Saturday night over the Canadians. Uh, and then finally, we got two teams playing Saturday and Sunday. First up are the Golden Knights, but Aiden Hill, 86% owned, and Logan Thompson, 70% owned. Probably only going to be available in the shallowest of leagues. If whichever one of them draws the Sunday start in Anaheim is somehow available in your league, they would obviously make for a tremendous spot start there. Uh, the other team with the Saturday-Sunday back-to-back are the Chicago Blackhawks, who host the Panthers on Saturday before welcoming the Devils on Sunday. It is an absolutely terrible matchup against New Jersey on Sunday, don't get me wrong, but with just two games on Sunday slate, there's a very good chance that Arvid Soderblom, 3% owned, who is projected to get the start, will be the only starting goalie on free agents in your league. So if you're chasing goalie categories on Sunday and you got nothing to lose, Soderblom might be your only option. Godspeed if that's the case, because it's going to be an ugly, ugly sweat. But yeah, if you got nothing to lose, um, he's probably going to be the only name out there. So look to get him early Sunday morning. Hey, at one point this season, he was leading the NHL in goals saved above expected. And then he just gave up like an eight burger the other night. So... Tough. It's uh, what are you what are you looking for here? Yeah, I gave up seven on twenty two, which is hilarious. A six the Coyotes bottom six. <laughs> yeah, Michael Carcone had like uh nine Daddy. points, I think, that night. Unbelievable. So, um, yeah. Do you guys have anything uh, to add? I will say uh, before we go here, the Flames, as, as we currently are recording this, tied two two with the Stars. Um, Jacob Markstrom pr- playing pretty well, so hopefully uh, he continues to write the ship. In like many of my leagues, I believe I have Tristan Jari and Jacob Markstrom just rolling as a tandem, so I'm yeah. in trouble. Ouch. I did at one point, though. I will say in, in one of my drafts, I had the choice between Demko and Markstrom, and I wasn't sure. Um, and I went Demko. <laughs> Boy, do I feel good about that <laughs> decision? And then D, I think you ended up with Markstrom, so um, that makes me feel even better. Yeah, I do have him in a couple leagues, and he is very much uh, that third goalie that you got to be careful with. Oh, my hands are so clean, and I am happy of that one. (laughs) Anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I will have a morning report coming out on Friday morning, um, and then I'll be back on Monday. And then again, as always, our flagship show will be released every Thursday morning. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. DFO Fantasy Podcast is presented to you by Betway. If you're going to place a bet, Bet on Betway. Ontario only must be 19 years of age or older. I'm Brock again for Dylan D. Berthy. Michael B. Bondi. We'll see you guys back here next week. Peace.